The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. Will you put your hands out in front of you like this? And we're going to just pray a, a simple prayer. If you would just repeat after me this morning. Everything I need, Lord, you freely give. We place our hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. How many believe that's true this morning? Everything that we know, we need to be told over and over again. We need to be told that God has everything that we need. And this morning, as we open the scriptures together, I want that to be the first thing that we hear. That to be the first thing that we are convinced of. That God has everything that we need. And as we ask him to speak into our lives this morning now, rest assured that God will speak to us, will speak to me, and will speak to you in exactly the way that we need God to this morning. Amen? Amen. So for the last several weeks as we travel together this journey of Lent, we've been talking to one another and encouraging one another and reminding each other that it is a journey that we do not do alone, that we need one another for. In fact, we desperately need one another for. And much of this, for many of us, me including, includes a bit of unlearning. Because oftentimes we look at our spiritual journey, we look at our faith practices, and we've individualized that. We've taken it on as something that we have to do individually. I get up and I pray, I get up and I, and I read scripture, I get up and I make it to church. And there's a lot of I, 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 I in that, because it does involve ourselves and does involve what we do, but, but the trick is that we don't forget the most important part about living in community together, living in a, as a family of God together in this day, in this place, as God has brought us together. And so we're reminding one another that we need each other. We're reminding one another that our responsibility to one another is to encourage and to provide each other with accountability as followers of Jesus. Now, I have to say, encouragement is it's a, it's a, a thing that we get. I've been here three years, and I've been encouraged by you, and I hope I've, I've been able to encourage you some. Uh, I, I, I'm going to be willing to say, here on the record, that no one here present this morning is dying because they've been encouraged too much. I mean, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm right. If you want to uh, negate that fact, we can talk about it. But I'm pretty sure that this morning, here in this place, no one is over-encouraged. So if you've got some encouragement to give this morning, now don't hold on to it. Give it. Give it freely. Pour it out. Squeeze it out. Do whatever you've got to do. Uh, give it. 
But as I walk with you for about three years now, and I've been to worship with you, and I've been to small groups with you, and I've been to prayer meetings with you, I, I often leave encouraged. And I, and I think if you've been walking with this community any amount of time, you would say that that's true. But accountability, our accountability is another thing completely. In fact, I would be willing to say that for a lot of Christians, it's the thing that we easily just take a pass on. Let, let somebody else do it. I mean, have you ever been around another Christian and they're just not having a good day? You know, they might just say something and you look at them and you're like, wow. You judge them a little bit in your heart, you know. It's okay, it's all right. I do that too sometimes. And you're like, somebody ought to say something to that brother. Somebody ought to say something to that sister. Gee, I don't know that that's what Jesus wants for us. But then what happens? Nobody says anything. Nobody gently talks to the brother or the sister in love. And over time, that just becomes a habit. And we've missed an opportunity to provide someone with some important godly love that is good for their soul. And I think why that is, I think why accountability might be a hard thing for us in the church to do is because if, if we think about it, we have a picture in our minds about what accountability looks like. I mean, if we were to paint a picture in an abstract drawing or something about accountability, I would be willing to say that more often than not, it looks like a pointed finger of some sort. And maybe if you're a really good artist, you can make it look like it's wagging at you. Because all of us, from the time that we were little, you know, at school, if you forgot your homework or whatever, you got the talk. You got the, this is, this is how we do it here. You ought to bring your homework. Next time, don't let that happen. And that talk came with a, a body posture, right? Maybe like, you know, they pump up their chest really big. So you mean, they know we mean business. It comes with a certain tone of voice. It comes in only those moments where we've really messed up. And as we've grown older, I mean, it's not just the school, it's, you know, at home, it's at our first job, the first time we ever truly made a mistake and still gotten paid for it. That's awesome. There's grace there. There's a sermon there. But over time, we, we've got this, this picture in our minds about what accounting looks like. And what I want to say this morning is that we ought to do some unlearning about accountability. Because it's something that we desperately need in our, in our faith practice, and we desperately need each other to, to do that well. Because our soul needs it. Our soul needs to be reminded of something very important. And so we ought to explore what does Christian accountability look like in the context of a family that creates space for love and for forgiveness. And this is what I want to say. Christian accountability is creating holy ground so that we might look up 
and remember who is God. Accountability among the people of God is creating holy ground for one another so that everybody who steps in that zone can look up and remember who is God. So in our scripture this morning, we read about Nicodemus and Jesus. And what's happening in the verses directly prior to the ones that we just read, Jesus tells Nicodemus something that totally shocks him. He makes a claim that is totally bold and, and really rocks his world. He tells Nicodemus to enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again. No one who is not born again can enter the kingdom of God. Now, being born again is an excellent image to understand what happens when God comes and transforms our lives. I mean, that moment when you see a baby and it's their first cry, their first breath, there is not a single moment on God's green earth that is purer than that moment. And what a blessing to know that when God comes and transforms our lives, it's like taking that first cry. It's like taking that first breath. It's all clean. It's all made new. There is a bazillion possibilities after that. Because that is how powerful the transformation of God is on a person's life. But being born again is also an important image to understand the manner in which we come into the kingdom of God. In other words, just like a baby enters into this world with nothing, we come and stand before God with nothing. We come and stand before God without any of our accomplishments, without any of our talents, without any of our merits, there is nothing that we can bring before the presence of God that would make us earn the presence of God. Isn't that amazing? I mean, there is nothing that we can do to make God love us. There is nothing that we can show God to say, okay, God, now that I'm bringing you this, now that I, I, am, I am showing you this, I'm, I'm going to impress you and I am going to earn your love forever. There is nothing we can do but stand there and look up at a holy God who looks at us with so much love looks at our naked and broken and, and sinful and vulnerable selves, telling us that we are loved so much that we are worth saving. That's a holy ground moment, friends. That's a holy ground moment. And that place in which where God's presence is, and there's nothing we can earn it, Nothing we can do to earn it. And God telling us, I love you anyway. 
I love you without anything. There is nothing that you can do to earn my love. It is that moment like in the, in the Moses story where he goes and he encounters a burning bush. And it's in that moment when he realizes the presence of God is in that place and the voice of God telling him, take off your sandals because this is holy ground. It is in that moment, like the story that Jesus references in our scripture this morning, where the people of God had realized that they had been rebellious before God. It's the story of the Exodus. One of the many times they rebelled against God. They had complained. They had not been grateful. They had insulted God. And they realized that they had sinned, and they came to Moses and repented. And so God tells Moses to build a serpent out of, out of bronze and lift it up so that any who would look up at that serpent could be healed. That's an odd thing to think about, but the point is that that is holy ground. That the people come and stand on that ground and realize and acknowledge God is God and I am not. And let me tell you something. The sooner we embrace that truth, the sooner we embrace the truth that God is God in our highs and our lows, and we are not, the sooner we allow the power of God to transform our lives. If you've been walking with God and, and trying to practice faith and pray and read scripture and, and you say, you know, I, I, I'm not growing. I don't feel God's presence. And you're looking for ways in which to grow. I would ask all of us to, to search in our hearts and say, are there places in our lives in which I am still acting as God in my life? And if there are, we need a holy ground moment. We need a holy ground moment because those are the moments in which we realize despite all of ourselves, despite the way that we cling on to control, God loves us anyways and we are worth saving to God. So how do we do that for each other? How do we love one another enough to create holy ground moments, I'm going to give you two things to think about. The first is that we need to become the burning bush ourselves for each other. And what I mean by that, if we are to create space for the presence of God, if we are to create space to be reminders of God's presence to one another, we need to be filled with God. We need to be walking with God in such a way that everywhere we go, we're reminders of holiness to other people. And so we encourage you every week, right, to read your Bible, to open up your scriptures, to hear the word of God every day, to pray, to gather with other people. We desperately need to gather and gather regularly. 
because we desperately need to walk on holy ground regularly. And the second thing, the second thing is to be willing to show up for one another. I mean, as a pastor, I can tell you that lately I've been very excited to hear and see folks inviting each other to things, to new Sunday schools, to new connect groups, and talking about how can we get coffee in the middle of the week, and that is amazing. Continue to do that. Because I don't know about you, but I find more reminders than I need every day for how our world is broken, for how our world is hurting, for how sinful things are, and, and, and how things don't look like God is even present here. We got enough of those reminders. We need more reminders of holy ground in our midst. And so I want to encourage you, if you have a thought, don't be afraid of rejection. Pick up the phone, open up your email, open up your text message, send somebody a text and say, let's meet up. Let's pray together. It, could, you, it might only be 15 minutes. It might only be 10 minutes. It might be an hour. I don't know. But the more we get used to walking on holy ground together, I propose that our lives will be transformed even more. That we're going to make more space in our lives to draw closer to God. And the things that don't matter as much, that sometimes we fret too much about, are going to really begin not mattering as much. And so friends, what I want to ask this morning is, how is God calling you to make room in your life for holy ground moments? You know, you'd say, Pastor, look at my schedule. I, I literally am running from dawn on Monday until extra hours on the weekend. And I get that. That's part of the world that we live in. But maybe God is inviting us to look at our schedule a little bit differently. Maybe our schedules aren't obstacles, but are actually opportunities for holy ground moments. Maybe our schedules aren't obstacles at all. Maybe the rhythms that we live aren't obstacles at all but are actually opportunities in which God is saying, there is somebody there around you that needs to be reminded that God is God and they are not. And that God is present even in the highs and the lows. That there is no place too far, too remote, too lonely that God is not present. That all we need to do, when all we feel like doing is hanging our head down low, is to remind each other to look up, to look up at the cross of Jesus, the ultimate holy ground moment, where Jesus says to you and says to me, you're worth saving. Your word's saved. 
And isn't that the greatest news that we will hear today? the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.